Proverbs 24.10, the Bible says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If you want to get a good measure of yourself and who you are, you don't measure yourself when things are going well and you're comfortable and everything is agreeable. That is not when we measure ourselves, for if we did that, we'd all be doing really good. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. When I was a kid, and I, excuse me for the raspy throat, somebody prays harder against me than those who pray for me. Quit. When I was a kid, the house we lived on was on the Atlantic Ocean. And I told you the introduction will be long this morning, the points will be short. We lived on the Atlantic Ocean. We had about, I don't know, 30, 40 feet of grass and the sand dune. And over the sand dune, there was the Atlantic Ocean from the balcony of where we lived. You could see the ocean. It was beautiful. We'd walk out there. And you go out there during high tide. In the high tide, the water's in, the waves are rolling in, it's, it's the real ocean, it's not the Gulf, it's the Atlantic Ocean, and the waves are rolling in, we get out there on our boogie boards and we'd play out there, but when the tide was in, you could not find any seashells. Uh, they were all covered by the tide. But we would wait, we would ask Dad, Dad, when's low tide? And Dad would say, well, the tide is, well, I, I guess for you Alabama fans, it's low tide right now, but anyway, <clears throat> that just came to me, I promise you, that is not in my notes, that just came to me. All right, amen, amen. <laughs> now maybe LSU can win, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. When the tide would go out, there would be millions, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating, millions upon millions upon millions of seashells. And we would go out there and we would dig through what's called the coquina, the little shells that are there, and we'd find the shark's teeth. And we just thought that was the neatest thing in the world, to dig shark's teeth out of the coquina. My wife has a, a, a vase full of shark's teeth in her office because when we go back there, we will go and we'll dig out those shark's teeth. But here's the deal. <clears throat> you didn't find out what was there until the tide went out. When the tide went out, everything that was there was exposed and you were able to see it. Sometimes we even found the big conch shells that my wife affectionately calls conch shells. She has her head down smiling because she knows she says it wrong, even though she says conch, it's conch, okay? It is a conch shell. But here's the point. You, you never knew what was there until the tide went out. And when the tide went out, it revealed all that was there. <clears throat> Can I tell you, when the tide of adversity rolled in, and the tide of adversity rolled out. It took our comfort, our agreeable circumstances, our more favorable politics. And when the tide of adversity went out, it left us with who we really are. And through the adversity, we saw ourselves for who we really are. Billy Graham says this, or said this, comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity. Helen Keller says, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Can I tell you, post-pandemic, the post-adversity that has come since that time has revealed what our homes are really made of. It's revealed what our churches are really made of. It's revealed what we are really made of because we were not what we thought we were when we were prosperous, comfortable, and agreeable. That is not who we were. You find out who you are post-adversity. 
You begin to see when the tide goes out and comfort is gone and favorability is gone and agreeability is gone and everything that we like gets stripped away. That's who you really are and that's who we really are. And all across America, I talk to pastors every day, all across America, I believe the church of the living God has having to come with grips, maybe we weren't what we thought we were. Could I say thank God for the adversity, amen? Because maybe we have a chance to become what we need to be before Jesus comes back. That God forbid he come back and we are the church of Laodicea thinking we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Thank God for the adversity that has stripped away our comfort, the favorable circumstances and the agreeable life that now we see who we really are. And when God removes all of that and we fall to the floor, we realize it wasn't God holding us up. It was our circumstances. Uh, in Myanmar, there's a tribe. You've probably seen them but may not realize you've heard of them. They are the Kayan tribe. If you've ever read a National Geographic or watched the documentary, <clears throat> they are the ladies who will put the brass rings around their neck. Have you seen them? And they stretch their neck. Have you seen them? If not, go home and look it up. They're in Myanmar. They're the, the, the Kayan tribe. And they'll put a ring on. And they'll slowly add rings until they stretch their neck out of proportion. Their neck will be way, way longer than, than yours and mine. The only problem is they have to wear those rings the rest of their life. Because if they take those rings off, their neck will not support the weight of their head and their neck will break and they will die. Can I tell you, I believe a lot of us are in a very similar situation. Our comfort our ease, our agreement, our favorable circumstances are things that have held us up for years. And we're finding that when they are removed, we die because we were not held up by the power of God and the grace of God in our life. It's kind of like Belshazzar as he is having his feast and the finger begins writing on the wall. It says, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. God says, I have weighed you. God says, I have made a decision on who you are, and this is who you are. Can I tell you, God knows who we are. And God wants us to know who we are. And thank God that he allows adversity to come through to try us and show us what is real and what goes up in smoke. Why? Because we have a chance to get right with him. It's amazing now, the adversity, there's a four-alarm fire in every home. There's a crisis in every heart. There's a burden on every mind. Because I think we're coming to realize this morning that we've been trying it without Christ. And we depended upon our comfort, our favorable circumstances, and the agreeable lives that we had to bring peace, hope, and joy. And when the agreement and the favor is gone, now we begin to fall. Folks, can I tell you this morning, I, as a pastor, that burdens me. I think it ought to burden me. Uh, it burdens me about my home. It burdens me about my heart, my family, and our church. And you pray and you pray, Lord, how do we fix this? Lord, you're, i got to go fix this, and God, we've got to work on that, and God, we've got to take care of this, and God, we've got to take care of that. And after a while, there's no way you can fix all that's wrong. So what do you do? You turn to the Lord and you begin to pray and ask the Lord, how do we fix this? I believe our Bible, amen? I believe our Bible has an answer for us this morning and this year. 
It's a very simplistic path that I think we need to take. And I want you to notice, here's Paul speaking to a church, the church at Ephesus. And boy, this is a good lesson for us this morning. And he begins to tell them what they need. Watch this. He says, I, I gave you all of these officers in verse 11. God gave us that. For what? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. All right? So the body needs to be built up this morning. He's giving them the answer. But notice, notice the end of verse 12. It ends with what? Christ. Notice the end of verse number 13. The answer is what? Christ. You keep reading the end of verse number 15, the answer is what? The answer is Christ. He says in order, listen, there's no way that you and I can fix every problem and fill every void. The only answer that can fix it all is simply this, Christ. Christ, that'll change everything. I want you to think this morning as we get into this and get into this year, the woman at the well had some problems, correct? Had five men in her life and was not her husband anymore. Here comes Jesus and she has this great load and this great burden. What changed her? It was an encounter with Christ. That's what changed her. I, I want you to think this morning about Zacchaeus. His priorities were not where they needed to be in life. Obviously he had been dishonest in some of his dealings. And suddenly all of his priorities changed after what? Alright, you're going to catch on after a while. You ready? All of his priorities changed after he had an encounter with Christ. I'm thinking, could there be something to this? There's a man by the name of Bartimaeus, and no one could fix the problem that he had. He was blind. And then suddenly his outlook, literally, his outlook on life changed. Why? Because he had an encounter with Christ. I, I can't help but think about the demoniac the Bible says who would run through the tombs and lived in the graveyard, would run through the, the, the forest naked and no man could tame him. And yet we find him sitting clothed and in his right mind. What happened to that old boy? He had an encounter with Christ. What was Jesus' prescription for the church at Laodicea? You need to have an encounter with Christ. This morning, can I tell you something? We do not need another religious experience. We simply need to have an encounter with Christ. That's it. As a pastor, you sit back and you pray and you worry. I know we shouldn't worry, but you sit back and you pray and you worry about people. How do I help this? How do I fix that? How do I fill that? How do I meet that need? And after a while, can I tell you, I've come to the conclusion that what we need and so many of our problems could be solved if we just had a fresh encounter with Christ. Because all in my Bible, when people did that, the change happened automatically. It's amazing. You didn't have to beg them. The change happened when they had an encounter with Christ. I believe this morning the answer is what it's always been. We've just got to return to it. This morning I want to give you the three things that we're going to be looking at all year long on this subject of encountering Christ. Encountering Christ. Now Paul is about to show this church how they can do that. Our key verse is verse 13 today. We're going to walk through this if we could. Notice there's three simple steps here that I'm going to give you today. They're right there on the wall, but I want to show you how they work together. Paul is outlining God's vision for the church. By the way, it's got to be God's, amen? 
If it's of God, you will not stop it. That's why the vision's got to be his and not mine. And so here's Paul giving this church God's vision for them. And he points to something essential. You look at it. Verse 12, it's Christ. Verse 13, it's Christ. Verse 15, it's Christ. And in between there, you see where he refers to him speaking of Christ. He's not saying, listen, it would help you if you would introduce Christ to your people. He says it's indispensable. The only way this church is going to grow up, verse 12, he uses the word perfecting. Verse 13, till we come into the unity of faith. All the things that he says in chapter number 4 are impossible outside of Christ. The church is trying to entertain people to where they need to be. The church is trying to appease people to get them where they need to be. But the answer this morning for each and every one of us is simple. It's Christ. You get people close to Christ, you have an encounter with Christ, you'd be amazed at the change it would automatically bring in your life. Mom and Dad, I know our kids are hard-headed, and I know it's sometimes hard to get them to do what they're supposed to do, and as my dad would say, it's like herding chickens. Somebody said herding cats. I've never tried that one, but I've seen chickens. You're thinking, how do I get them to do? Can I tell you, I think a lot of our problems with our young people would be solved if we just helped them have an encounter with Christ. Why? Because change takes place when you have an encounter with Christ. But watch this. Paul says Christ is the goal. Christ is the aim. That's what we're working for here. He says you want peace. You want joy, fulfillment. It's going to be in Christ. Now watch this. If we find it in Christ, outside of him it's impossible, correct? Churches all over this country at this very hour today are trying to manufacture something they will only find in Christ. I see it. The temptation's always there. But number one, this morning, can I tell you, the only hope we have is the first thing you notice on the wall over there. This year, we've got to find the chance in Christ. We've got to realize that the only way we're going to attain to the mark that our Father's calling us to, well, what is that? Well, verse 12, he says, watch. I want you to be perfect, or that means complete, okay? You're never going to be perfect. Verse number 13, till we come into the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, that means complete man. Notice, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God says there's a standard that I want you to measure up to. And the standard is not the status quo of the world. The standard is Jesus Christ himself. And the only way that we're going to do that, to be pleasing to the Father, is to make sure our only chance of doing that is through Christ. It's got to be through Christ. Now, think about this this morning. Encountering Christ is essential because of outside of him, we don't have a chance. That's why Brother Bo and I were working on the graphics, and uh, we were trying to decide which words to put up there to really convey the thought. And I says, I want to go with chance. You know, we were looking at different words because chance and change, they look kind of alike, don't they? All right, everybody admit it. They look kind of alike. Somebody yesterday, I says, what does that say? They said, change and change. I'm like, no. It says chance and change. But I told Brother Bo, I said, Brother Bo, I want the word chance on there. Why? Because outside of Christ, we don't have a chance. Without him, we could do what? Nothing. John 15, we are the branch outside of the vine. We are, listen, we are incapable outside of Christ. Your home will never reach the stature and the fullness of what God desires outside of Christ. You teenagers will never reach the fullness and the stature outside of Christ. It's not going to happen. Your joy will never reach the fullness and the stature outside of Christ. 
That's why you got to understand right here on day one of our new year, Vision Sunday, you've got to find the chance in Christ because outside of Christ, we don't have a chance. No chance. You might find something that makes you smile, but you'll not find the joy that you can only find in Christ. Acts chapter 17, verse 28 is our key verse we're going to key off of this year as we look at the chance that we have in Christ. The Bible says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Listen close. For in him we live and move and have our being. What's the key in him? You're not doing it outside of him. You're not living outside of him. You're not moving outside of him. You're not having your being outside of him. Quit trying. Half the trouble that we deal with in life and we have struggles in our home and struggles with our kids is we're trying to do it without him. That's the struggle. I think half of marital problems could be fixed. Half. If we just had a fresh encounter of Christ in our marriage. I believe it with all my heart. I believe half the problems with our teenagers would be solved if we helped them have a fresh encounter with Christ. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ. The things you can't do in your marriage. And man, I just can't love a guy who snores like that. And I just can't love a wife who nags like that. I can do all things through Christ. You can. You're thinking, well, that's not a very exciting thought. Get some earplugs. Hey, that'll save both of you right there. It'll save you from her nagging and his snoring. You can, but only through Christ. Listen, you, you call and you say, well, Jeremiah, I'm having a problem with this. I'm having a problem with that. Listen to me. I was taught as a kid that can't never could. I'm an American. Amen? I know you get tired of saying that, but uh, I am. You surrender, preach, and you start preaching, and you don't have to say it, all right? But I am. But boy, I tell you, too often as a Christian, we use the word can't. You know why we can't? Because we're trying it without him. An encounter with Christ will give you what you need. Paul says it's all about Christ, Christ, Christ. You know what the only hope for Hattiesburg, Mississippi is? To have an encounter with Christ. I'm so thankful. Every Saturday this year, we're not missing. Every Saturday this year, folks meet up at church at 10 o'clock and we go out soul winning. I'm thankful. Next week we're going to have a big week of soul winning. Every Saturday, you know what we're going to do out in Hattiesburg? We're trying to help our city have an encounter with Christ. Why? Because all the things they're struggling with, thinking they can't do, they can through Christ and in Him. When you walk out the door today, you're going to have an opportunity. You're going to walk by a table. And uh, the table is going to have all kinds of little goodies that we want you to take home, whatever you want to take home. One of the things you're going to have an opportunity to have is uh, a map of Hattiesburg. And it says, praying for Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to encounter Christ. Do you know how many people that map represents who right now are thinking, I can't. My home can't. My kids can't. I'm just struggling. There's no way. And oh, what a blessing it is that you and I get to introduce them to Christ. Why? Because through Christ, they can Number one, this morning as we go into this new year, could I encourage you to find the chance in Christ? If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you don't have a chance outside of him. If you're here today and you're saved and you're trying to do what life would have you to do, you're not going to be able to do it outside of Christ because the only chance you have is in Christ. But then keep reading. I'm going to hurry. You look down. He says in verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You keep reading, he says that we are growing into the stature of Christ. Now, he's showing them that after you have an encounter with Christ, it doesn't end there. Aren't you glad that when you come to know Christ, it's not over there yet? 
He says, hey, not only do you get to meet me, you get to know me, you get to walk with me. And as we walk with him, we are perfected, we are edified, and we are what? We are grown. Could I give you the second thing this year we're going to work on? In 2024, could I encourage you to find the change in Christ? Find the change in Christ. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know the word perfecting, it means a process. It means not done yet. Now wait, we get saved, he changes our life. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's on the wall. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. But I'll tell you, it takes a little while for that to take, doesn't it? I'm still working on some of the changes I need to make in my life, in my heart, in my mind. Hear me out today. Could I encourage you to have a fresh encounter with Christ that that change and that perfecting and edifying could continue? Where did you leave off with him at? Did you leave off with him at salvation? I think some of us only got a change of address. I really do. He changes your eternal address. It's no longer hell. It's heaven. Thank God for that. But listen to me. The change is not done. Look at verse 12. There's perfecting that needs to be done. Look at verse 12. There's edifying. There's more change that God wants to bring in your life. You keep reading. He says, I I want you to grow. I want you to be fitly joined together. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. You know, there's a lot of Christians struggling this morning. Do you know why? They never grew up. They're Peter Pan Christians. Amen? Yeah. Some of you are like, Peter who? Come on. Some of you try to act all spiritual like you've never heard of a cartoon. The guy in green who flies around with the spoofle dust, you know? What would he say? I'm never going to grow up. Do you know who the guys are who never grow up? Listen close. They're the lost boys. They're the lost boys who never grew up. The Bible says my father, watch, when I have an encounter with Christ, he wants me to continue to grow in Christ, being perfected, matured, grown in who he would have me to be. And folks, I'll tell you this. The closer you get to him, the more change he brings in your life. It happens. Man, it happens. It's, uh, it's kind of like those guys. Remember, they're on the road to Emmaus walking with the risen Christ. And they're just walking along. They don't know it's Jesus. You know, you ever been around somebody famous and not realized it? Yeah, that happened a few times. Imagine walking with Jesus, not realizing that was Jesus. Probably get his autograph, you know, walking down through there. And after Jesus disappeared, what did they say? Did not our hearts burn? Like just being around him affected me. And the more you have an encounter with Christ and the closer you get to Christ, the more it will affect you and the more it will change you. Stop. Could it be that's why we don't have an encounter with Christ? We're kind of like the guy, his wife was at a, a Goodwill store, and uh, I know it's 12.04, okay? Just letting you know. That way you don't have to look at your watch. It's awkward when you look at your watch during a sermon, so I'll tell you, it's 12.04. Um, this lady went to a Goodwill store, and she bought this needlepoint thing, and I'm learning to appreciate crocheting and knitting more because folks are giving us stuff, and I'm like, look at all the hours of work there. And she bought this needlepoint thing, and it said, prayer changes things. Just kind of pretty, you know. I hear in the South we have a lot of those. And so she hung it on the wall right above the dining room table. And she asked her husband, what do you think? He said, it's, it's nice. And, uh, and so that next morning she got up to cook breakfast and it was gone. It was missing. And she looked around and looked around. She couldn't find it. It wasn't in the garbage. It wasn't over on the, the counter. She couldn't find it. Finally, she saw behind the bookcase it was hidden. Her husband got home from work. She says, honey, in a nice sweet way, 
did you not like my needlepoint that I bought? She go, he goes, no, it was beautiful. He says, well, did you not like the color of, of the, that were there and the flowers that were around? He says, no, they were nice. Well, did you not like the phrase that was on there, prayer changes things? He said, no, that's a great phrase. She said, well, why did you hide it? He said, because I don't like change. He didn't want to see it because it stirred his heart to change. I'm afraid this morning the reason we got saved and we encountered Christ and we're saved and sealed and heaven's our home, but we haven't had much of an encounter with him since, it's because it brings about change. Could I beg you to do something in this new year? Could you find the change in Christ? Would you draw close enough to him that he changes you just a little bit? You think about that demoniac, and I'll give you the last point today. That demoniac was a wild man, a crazy man, and I'm sure that every Baptist preacher looked at that guy and said, no hope, he's hopeless. But I'm thankful Baptist preachers don't have the last say, amen? I'm glad Jesus had the last say in that man's life. The Bible says when Jesus finished with him, he was sitting closed and in his right mind. Watch this. He was sitting, his actions had changed. He was closed, his appearance had changed. He was in his right mind, his awareness had changed. All because of Jesus. You say, I'll bet you those disciples jumped on top of him and got some hair clippers and we're going to cut your hair and we're going to clean you up and we're going to put you in a suit and a white shirt. Right? I got picked on once because I didn't wear a white shirt when I preached and I guess that's a bad thing. I haven't found it in the Bible yet. But anyway, how did he change? I'll tell you, he just had an encounter with Christ. It's amazing what will change when you allow yourself just to get a little bit closer to him. Someone said once, change is a process, not a destination. Amen. You know what the destination is? Well, watch this. Look down to verse 13. We all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, that means complete, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The destination's Christ. The destination's Christ. Can I tell you how churches hurt a lot of people for a long time? They tried to get them to fit a fad. They tried to get them to measure up to a movement. They tried to get them to measure up to what this guy said and what that guy said. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of people not in church today. Because we tried to live up to this opinion of this guy and this idea of this guy. When in the end, listen, the destination was one thing. It was one person. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the destination. And if we had just raised our kids to be like Christ and to follow Christ, if we had just raised our kids to measure up to the fullness of Christ, I'll tell you, they would have overshadowed every other standard on the planet. There is no standard higher than the standard of the life of Christ. Could I encourage you not to be so timid to have a little courage and find the change in Christ this year. Be perfected, be edified, grow a little bit by growing closer to Christ. Finally, let me give you this and we'll be done. So how far do you go with that? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad when you ask, that way I don't have to bring it up randomly. The Bible says at the end of verse 13, unto the measure of the stature, watch this, of the fullness of Christ. You say, well, wait a minute now. If I have an encounter with Christ and I have the fullness of Christ, where do I go? Keep, keep thinking. Is that why the Word of God says he must increase, I must decrease? You see, there's no room to be full of both of you. There's no room for both of you. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again. Now, I'm winding down, okay? 
Um, when I first moved here, I, I had dinner with a family. Boy, good folks, good folks, okay? They're not in here, in case you're wondering, all right? And, uh, man, the, me, me and Bran are sitting there, and we're talking. And, man, the whole time I heard the whole oral history of Central Baptist Church and the wonderful pastors that have come before me and how large, I was told, their shadows loom over me. And they do. They're great, great men of God. And I left there, and I got home, and I was very frustrated. I was frustrated in my flesh, if I could be honest with you. I told my wife, I says, I am so tired of being small. Preachers, they're already in heaven, man. They, man, here I am, just there, there, and I'm here. I am so tired of being, and the Holy Spirit of God smote my heart. And he says, only one of us can be big. Look up here. Because at that point, I decided... That if one of us could be big and one of us was going to be small, that Jesus was going to be big. Watch this. At the very end, our kids are coming in for baptism this morning, in case you're wondering. Just keep your eyes up here, okay? Show them how to pay attention. Amen. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. He says, grow up. Get to the place where you're full of Christ, not full of self. And as you keep reading... The Bible says in verse number 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual, watch this, working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. He says, I want you to get so full of Christ that you go on to represent him. Number three, notice, if you will, in 2024, that we find the charge of Christ. That this year we have an encounter with Christ, that we draw so close to Christ, that we are full of Christ, that we go on to live, watch, that Christ lives through us. Yes. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives through me. The charge of Christ is that we have an encounter with him that changes us so much that we leave with this burden that when people encounter me, they encounter Christ. Now hear me out. When the Lord comes back, I'm looking forward to it now more than ever. When the Lord comes back, he's not coming back to evangelize. He's coming back to take us home. You know, you know what your Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 15? He that died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That means that the charge is that now I have to have an encounter with Christ that has a change from Christ and I leave with the charge of Christ that when they see me, they see the countenance of Christ. That when they hear me, they hear the words of Christ. That when they watch me, they watch the steps of Christ. You say, well, I don't know that I agree with that. Folks, can I tell you something? There's an old song years ago, do they see Jesus in you? Do they see Jesus in you? You know, the Bible tells us in Acts 4, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took knowledge that they had been with Christ. They watched him. They said, there's something about them that reminds me of him. I was talking to some teenagers this week. I, I am done. My Bible's closed. That reassures you, okay. I've lost my place. It's over now. No, I have a little tab. I could go back. I uh, talked to a couple of our teenagers, good kids this week, and talking about how to treat one another. How do we treat one another? I said, the way you should treat someone is the way Christ would want you to treat them. 
in the way that he would treat them. That when they leave you, they're reminded of how Jesus would have spoke and what Jesus would have done. Folks, that's the charge we've got to find this year. That we don't live unto ourselves anymore. I'm going to have my say and my pet peeve and do what I want. It has nothing to do with I. Why? Because we're supposed to measure up to the fullness of Christ and not the fullness of self. This is what's killing us. We're living to the fullness of self and me and I and what I know has nothing to do with that. I have to measure up to Christ and oh, we're going to work the rest of our life to try to even get close. But that's the charge that we should go into 2024 with. That we're going to have an encounter with Christ and we're going to let it sink in to where we have change from Christ. And we're going to reach that fullness of Christ because I'll tell you this, Hattiesburg, the next time Hattiesburg, Mississippi sees Jesus, it's too late to accept him. So may by the grace of God they see him in us. By the grace of God, may that lady at Dollar General today hear Christ in how you treat her. By the grace of God, the lady or the gentleman at the restaurant today, may they hear Christ in how you speak to them. And when they ask you, hey, I, why are you so kind? Here it is. Because I have had an encounter with Christ. He changed me. And it wasn't just my address on my eternity. He changed me and he's changing me. And I am fail and I mess up. And boy, I make a fool of myself and the call of Christ at times. But I'm trying to work up to the fullness of Christ. Why? Because I have that charge. Number one, I'm done. Have you had an encounter with Christ? Are you saved? We had several people saved this week. We're going to have... Half a dozen or more baptized here in just a second. Are you saved? Have you had an encounter? Look, could it be this morning that, look, you made a profession and you got dunked in the water, but you never came to know Christ personally, and that's why you're struggling with any change in your life? Could it be that? I'm not trying to talk you out of your salvation, but could it be this morning that you have never had a true encounter with Christ? Maybe you had an encounter with religion. I promise you, these men that are up here on this stage, they'll come down here in just a minute. They would love to take their Bible and help you have an encounter with Christ. But maybe this morning you're saved. I'm sure a lot of you are. Was salvation the last encounter with him you had? And that's why there's no more change. That's why there's not that burden of that charge. Boy, I've got to measure up to the fullness of Christ. Here we are on Vision Sunday. Why don't you spend some time at an altar today and say, God, I, I want a fresh, fresh encounter with Christ. I don't care who does and who don't. I'm going to have a fresh encounter with Christ this year. I'm going to let it change me so much that I am charged to go out and let people encounter in Christ, encounter Christ through encountering me. This morning, I want you to stand to your feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our pianist is going to come. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ,